we supposed to get married? I'm going to just swipe left. I just want somebody to share my life. People can ignore really important things they shouldn't ignore. And astrology can highlight all of that. You can keep waiting for the fairy tale, or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you read my advice in the LA Times, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Damona Hoffman. Hello, lovers. Welcome to another inspiring episode of Dates and Mates. It is week two of 2023, which means dating Sunday is behind us. We are deep into peak dating season. And Valentine's Day, I have to be honest, it's it's coming up fast. So it's not surprising to hear that so many of you are looking for love in the new year. We've been getting a lot of messages. We've been getting a lot of new people enrolled in the Dating Accelerator program. And I'm getting pumped. I am so excited for you because I know that it's not about rules. It's about tools. There are so many tools that can help you in your search for love. You can create a vision board to map out what you want in love and in life, as I outlined in the mini-sode that aired at the end of 2022. You can refresh your dating profile. Use my profile starter kit to do that. And that will boost you in the search algorithms. And you can let your friends know that you are looking for a date and you're open to their support in your search. So that's, you know, an accountability partner. That is your connector circle. There's so many tools that we have. But did you know that you can also look to the stars for more information on your dating future? Say what? It's true. (laughs) I believe that astrology can be a powerful tool in predicting not only your compatibility, but also timing for when your stars will align for love. (laughs) Do you see what I did there? Stars, get it? (laughs) All right, I'll stop being corny. And I will introduce my dear friend and mentor, Vedic astrologer and relationship coach, Carol Allen, who will be here with me today, she's going to help us understand the stars of 2023 and compatibility as it relates to someone else's astrological imprint. But we always kick off the show with news you can use. Our big headline for today is the biggest dating trends of 2023, according to dating app experts. Then later in Dear Demona, I'll tackle this relatable question. My match and I have lots of chemistry and common interests. Yet he has made no moves towards intimacy. What should I do? Ooh, that's a good one. All right, friends, let's dish. These dating dish. Women's Health tells us the biggest dating trends of 2023, according to dating app experts. Not according to me. I wasn't one of the experts they talked to, but they did talk to a lot of people that I know and respect. And I love looking at the data and the trends from inside the dating apps to be able to forecast what's going to be happening in the future and inform you so that you can get out ahead of these trends and you can use them to your advantage when you're matching. So the big headline of 2023, according to Women's Health, is that dating in 2023 will be all about main character energy as people become more certain about deal breakers and their self-worth. And can I get an amen on that? I am all for main character energy. I probably wouldn't say it like that. <laughs> uh, you, you guys know it's like a play on BDE, right? I'm not going to explain BDE. It's, it's MCE. But I love this, and it so resonates for me right now as I am writing the umpteenth millionth draft of my book, The Modern Love Myth. I talk a lot about these myths, these beliefs, And these stories that we tell ourselves and being the main character in your story is the best thing that you can do 
for yourself. I get so many questions throughout the year of like, what do I do next? What does this mean? And just starting from a place of this is my story and I am in control of where I take my story next is really the best kind of attitude to take into 2023. So here's what else the data tells us. Budget conscious dates are in. (laughs) Bumble stats say that 28% of users are starting to get clear on their financial boundaries in dating. What? Go back to my episode with Nicole Lappin from last year if you want to hear more about that. 57% prefer more low-key and less costly dates than something over the top. And I actually just talked about a term called infladating on Access Daily a few weeks ago. Uh, I mentioned that OkCupid users say that they want to spend less than 50 bucks on a first date, which uh, as someone who lives in Los Angeles, they ain't going to get you very far, but it will get you a simple, you know, I'm always saying one hour, quick, meet cute. And, you know, you have coffee, you have a drink, a drink, and that's it. 50 bucks, you're in, you're out. But bottom line, inflation is happening as much as we don't want to talk about it. It is happening and it is impacting dating. So I think this is really smart that people are being a little more strategic about how much they're spending on dates. Also, non-monogamy is on the rise. 15% of Gen Z Hinge users and 15% of those who identify as LGBTQ are exploring their dating intentions or are open to non-monogamy. We'll be talking about this more next week with my guest, who I will announce at the end of this episode. I'm so excited. But this is an interesting trend, and this is a big shift, big, big, big shift from, you know, the last five years or 10 years in dating. And I don't know if it's a shift in that people weren't practicing non-monogamy, but certainly more people are talking about it. More women are making the first move. The Women's Health article says apps like Bumble have been encouraging this trend for a while. Dating coaches like Demona Hoffman have been encouraging this trend for a while. And the article also noticed that last year we saw a major uptick in female identifying users shooting their shot on other platforms, too. So my dear friend Michael Kay over at OkCupid said, women who said they tend to send the first message get 55% more likes and almost 60% more matches than those who don't. And conversations initiated by women last longer than those started by men. Finally, finally, the message is getting through that chivalry does not apply to dating apps, okay? The gender roles that you have inherited from prior generations don't apply when we're talking about technology. I'm just going to drop the mic right there and leave it. (laughs) Another trend, sober dates. 75% of Hinge users report that they no longer prefer first dates that involve drinking. This one kind of blew my mind because I've been talking about sober dating Gosh, I talk about it pretty much every January on the show, but that number that most people prefer not to drink and do shared activities instead that boost a sense of connection, I feel like I'm finally getting through to folks. (laughs) And we got the emojis to prove it because the use of beer and wine emojis decreased significantly in Tinder bios in the last year. I didn't know that they were even on the increase, so... That's very interesting to me as well. Emotional vulnerability is more important than ever. In 2023, men in particular will continue facing their toxic traits head on and learning to process their emotions. Look, we are so on trend. We were just talking about that in the episode with Chris Thompson at the end of last year 
Uh, look at this. The article says 74% of male Bumble users worldwide said that they examined their own behaviors and now have a better understanding of toxic masculinity. And 93% of Hinge users are looking for emotional vulnerability in a partner. I would say that this is a continuation of what we were seeing last year with a focus on mental health. You've heard me talk probably many times throughout the year about how we want somebody who values their mental health as much as they do their physical health. And I read this overall as like if I was going to give 2023 a headline for dating, I think it's an overall focus on dating with more intention. We saw towards the end of the year, the article references as well, there's a lot of conscious dating, spreadsheets, dating wrapped, you know, people that kind of took that Spotify wrapped concept and made their own dating wrap. Like I went on 50 dates. Okay. A lot, most people didn't go on 50 dates. Let's be real. But you know, I went on this many dates. I had this many second dates. I liked this many people. I sent this many messages. And I'm also seeing it manifested as more people signing up for the dating accelerator program. I do this program every year in January. And a lot of it is about dating with intention and putting a plan and a process around your dating life instead of just leaving it to chance. So I love that we're seeing more people signing up for the Dating Accelerator this January. And I love that people are actually trying to track what's happening in their dating life so that they can make changes that are going to ultimately get them what they want, get them the life that they're looking to build, and get them more clarity on what's happening so that dating doesn't feel so out of control. I'm going to take a page out of Tinder's book and their emoji report, which showed that the P parking emoji was on the rise. What does that stand for? You may be hearing it here first. The P stands for positivity, not parking when you see it on a dating app. So I'm going to put a big old P for positivity on dating in 2023, on the Dating Accelerator program, on Dates and Mates, and on you for listening to the show. When we come back, Carol Allen will be here with us to help us understand the astrology of 2023. And if you are on board with that 2023 main character energy conscious dating that I just talked about, then you're the exact kind of person who could become one of my success stories in the Dating Accelerator. Listen to this. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. Carol Allen is a Vedic astrologer, a relationship coach, and she's also one of my mentors. She is the author of Love is in the Stars, The Wise Woman's Astrological Guide to Men. She's been featured on E! on Bridezilla's Extra, Dr. Drew's Life Changers, and in Chicken Soup for the Soul. Please help me give big smooches to my dear friend, Carol Allen. What? Smooches, everyone. Smooches and smooches, a heart. Smooches. And Carol, I have to tell you, I have you to thank for having a book that still is not out, will not be out for oh. another year. I'm going to have you back next January when we're actually talking about the book launch. Ooh, I have to have you do my astrology for it. Oh my gosh. And why have I not read this thing? Because it's not done. Okay. But Carol is the reason that I got off my butt and did this book. So thank you, Carol. I'm forever indebted to you. You just needed a little flick. <laughs> so I want to look to the future. I want to look to the skies, to the stars. First of all, for those who don't know you yet and don't really understand, like I said, Vedic astrology in the intro, they're like, what does that even mean, Carol? What does that mean? What do you do? So- 
what I didn't know until I started studying astrology is how many different kinds there are and how much ancient civilizations pretty much all looked to the heavens and corresponded human events with celestial activity. And so there's Celtic and Mayan and Egyptian and Hebrew and Nepalese and Chinese and Persian and Greek and Roman. And so there's so many systems. And it's clear there was like a big game of telephone going on because people have always gotten together. You know, they've always migrated and traveled and traded and pillaged and warred and intermarried. And uh, so a lot of them have a lot of similarities, but there's also tremendous differences. And there are a lot of scholars that actually think the Indian system from ancient India is the first. And, you know, Alexander the Great went pillaging into India and came back to Greece <laughs> with all kinds of stuff. And uh, so it's very different, but also very similar to the Western system. It's called Vedic astrology because it's first found in the Vedas, which are a series of writings that are at the core of the Hindu religion. So in the ancient writings in ancient India, when they talk about marriage and mate selection, this is cool. They don't talk about compatibility first. You know, people who hear about astrology, what we all think about is that Linda Goodman stuff, right? That like, hey, Aquarius, you're great with Libra and Gemini, right? Like everybody oh, yeah. thinks about compatibility. But before you even want to worry about compatibility, when it comes to looking for love or choosing who to date and mate with, you want to consider something much more important, which is their capacity and your own, right? Capacity is how much capacity emotionally do you have for being in a relationship in the first place, right? Like mm -hmm. how thoughtful are you? How conscientious are you? How generous are you? How supportive are you? How present are you? How empathetic are you? How much time do you want to give a relationship? All these things factor in, right? Because people get so hung up on compatibility. And listen, I love compatibility. I have an amazing report that I sell called the Right Man Report that gives you like nine to 11 pages using an ancient technique that's got 15 steps that's been used for thousands of years to arrange marriages in India. Well, they know centuries, but it's probably thousands. And, uh, and it's crazy, crazy, crazy accurate. But before you want to even worry about, you know, will we have chemistry and do we have easy agreement and is there a foundation of friendship and can we be abundant together and can we both be healthy together? Swear to God, some combinations astrologically between people make people have health issues, make people have sleep disorders or problems. It's, wow. it's super wild. You want to look at capacity. And so that's one aspect that's so rich and insanely accurate in Vedic astrology. But then you want to look at compatibility and then you want to look at timing. Timing is huge. In my own life, it was predicted for me seven years in advance when I would get married. And as much as I tried to like beat the planets and like have it happen sooner, it's exactly when it happened. So it's really, it's really a relief. And my hat is off to people like you who do this work without some kind of like crystal ball. <laughs> because it's hard, right? It's hard to tell how much time should you give a guy? Are his problems a phase or are they going to be permanent? How much potential is there with someone? Because 
you know, we all get blinded by chemistry and we all get blinded mm-hmm. by our desires, right? Like that wish or that dream. And to your very good point, this time of year, new year, everybody's thinking about what's my wish, what's my dream. And we can get really caught up in a story that can carry us really far. Like, ooh, the magical way we met or his dog and my dog have the same name or, yes. you know, but people can ignore really important things they shouldn't ignore. And astrology can highlight all of that. Yeah. And when you talk about the timing, like um, I know you also have your personal success calendars, which by the way, I like literally follow your calendar every year, Carol. I'm like, okay, this is a good day for communication. So I'm, and this is a good day for finances. So I'm going to make this decision on this day. (laughs) And it's crazy how, I don't know how you do it. Like, I don't know how it's so accurate. This is the thing that I think a lot of people get wrong. They're like, okay, this is my birthday. This is my sun sign. And, you know, right. it's just looking at Western astrology, which I also have a lot of friends who practice Western astrology. I'm I'm a fan of both. But in both modalities, you look, you have to look beyond just that one factor. And so this right. is why, like, when people say, I can't do Scorpios. I never <laughs> do Scorpios. But then you like meet the person that's the exception or whatever because there's so much more underneath that. And then you layer in the timing and right. like looking at the calendar and it's a lot. But you've you've like figured out a system to unpack all of that and make it easy for us. Well, I didn't figure it out. Good gosh. It's like 8,000, 5,000 years old. I mean, all I did was read 70 books and go to school for 12 years and have a mentor, go to all the conference. Like it's been a lot of studying and I will take credit for that. But yeah, timing is huge and daily planning. It's like knowing the weather. It's like knowing your celestial weather. And that whole thing, I love what you just said about like, oh no, I'm never dating another Scorpio. I think Scorpio gets the worst rap of any song. I think they get bagged on the most because they are very intense. I married a Scorpio. I know all about it, right? Um, And I wouldn't change him for two good ones, as my mom used to joke, right, with me. Like, I wouldn't trade you for two good ones. Um, but, uh, But, you know, the thing of it is, is there can be healthy people who are awesome partners of any sign. And there can be unhealthy people. This is called capacity, right? Low capacity people can be any sign because what influences capacity isn't the sign or, you know, the sun or the moon or whatever is in, it's how the whole chart goes together. And there Mm. are what are called good guy planets and bad guy planets. And people who have mostly the bad guy planets taking center stage in their chart by being in the rising sign or with the moon or with the sun or aspecting the sun or 10th from the sun or in the angles or the people that have that stuff They just are going to have the nature of those planets. And so it's so easy when you learn this stuff to go, oh, that guy's going to be super hypersensitive and always, you know, struggling with addiction, or this woman's going to be really emotional or really like unemotional and detached, or this person's too independent to have relationships, or this person can't be monogamous. This person will always be you know, looking over the fence, right? And so these things are really inborn and there is a spectrum, right? There's like people that are way over here or way over here. So not to say that someone with proclivities can't grow or can't be like less of a workaholic or less 
of a sex addict or whatever it is. Uh, but, but, you know, so much of this is just hardwired and is just our divine design, so to speak, and isn't personal because mm. that's the other thing we do, Demona, is we, we think, you know, I just had a client right this morning and she's with this guy. I pulled up his chart and she didn't have to say a single thing. I was just like, this guy is such a bad boy. And this guy has total anger issues and he's probably an alcoholic. And she was like, oh my God, he's in a motorcycle gang. He's such a bad boy. He's everything makes him angry. He's really jealous and possessive. His dad was an alcoholic and he's an alcoholic. And I'm like, what the hell are you doing? And and then she goes, and he's perfect for me. (laughs) No, she said it's the best sex of her life. Okay. (laughs) I mean, how do you say no to that? Right. And you know, her husband died of COVID a year and a half ago. She's been heartbroken. And this guy is like a ton of fun. Right. And like, she, it's like, you know, so it's like a transitional thing. And sometimes those are appropriate, but this is like too much. I was like, honey, move. Don't leave a forwarding address. Lock your doors. Like get a bodyguard. Like, what are you doing? Right. So, but it was, it wasn't me being psychic or me being a genius. His combinations were so obvious. Right. And that, that's just how it works. And, uh, she was thinking it was, oh, if I love him enough, she was doing that classic thing, right? Mm -mm. If I love him enough, if I try hard enough, if, you know, maybe I will be, he says he's never loved anyone like he loves me. And that means my love will heal him. Right. And uh, so we, we want to feel that control. We want to feel that power. We want to feel like love will be enough. But, you know, what I said to her was, it's like you, you have found like an angry pit bull, right? And, and I love pit bulls, by the way, but they can be, there can be difficult ones or Jack Russell Terriers, which is the dog I have who like bites everybody. I said, it's like you found like a certain breed of dog and you think you can turn it into a golden retriever, but that is not the kind of dog it is, right? So I, there was something you said that really struck a chord with me when you said, people's capacity they have a certain capacity for love yes and my question was going to be like can it grow and can it change and you kind of answered that but i i'm i'm going to ask kind of um a self-serving question okay uh, because i think it might be instructive for the listeners i really feel carol like my capacity for love has expanded exponentially since i met and married my husband beautiful I don't know. I've never had the chart looked at for our wedding day. <laughs> it was 4707, 4707. We just uh we're 15 years in and just getting started. I'm curious like is there anything that you can see in that chart that might be informative? Well, you know, you and I were talking about this because of course you work with Drew and Drew is so lovable and so wonderful and so adorable. And when Drew got married, I looked at the chart of her wedding time and I thought, oh, geez, there's a lunar eclipse in two days. Like she got married two days before a lunar eclipse. So the eclipse energy would have been in the chart of the wedding and the chart of a marriage is the birth of the marriage. And so the the marriage has its own destiny and its own lifespan and it's in the chart. Right. And so, so she had the same thing as uh, when Brad and Jen got married, Brad and Jen, Jen Aniston, of course, and Brad Pitt, when they got married, there was a total lunar eclipse the day of that wedding. And one of my teachers actually went to the wedding because Jen had been roommates years ago with his girlfriend, right? So he came back from the wedding and he showed up to the next class and he put the chart of the wedding on the 
board and he said, what's going to happen here? And we all went, uh-oh, because when the moon is totally eclipsed, which it wasn't in Drew's chart, wedding chart, thankfully, the bride is the moon. The wife is the moon and Venus. And, you know, to have a totally eclipsed moon, we were like, oh, Jen's going to be totally eclipsed. Oh, and that wow. happened, right? So when Drew was getting married and I saw another lunar eclipse, but a you know, much milder one and not the same day, but coming up to it, I still felt like something about this isn't going to work for Drew. Something about this is going to block her light, right? Because the moon is, you know, an eclipse is the blocking of the light. So I'm happy to report, Demona, when I looked at your... <laughs> You realize I've been holding my breath for six minutes. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) that your chart, you did not get married uh, the day of a lunar eclipse. In fact, you got married. One of the rules is uh, when you're doing something super important and you launch a day that's going to have lasting, especially lifelong effects, right? You want it to be bright and and big. So you want it to either be full or half full or growing or... So anyway, you got married when the moon was nice and bright and the moon was in a very committed sign. You got married when the moon... Now this is in Vedic astrology and the calculations Mm -hmm. are different. I should say that from the start. So everything is back 24 degrees. So in the Vedic system, you got married when the moon was in Scorpio, and that's a fixed moon sign. That is a loyal, dedicated, like, I am a barnacle on you. <laughs> so it's part of why both of you are all in, is because you got married in an all-in. It's also a very emotionally rich sign. It's a it's a water sign, and the water signs are the most emotional. They feel things the most intensely or the most deeply. Uh, you also got married when the sun... And the ruling planet of the chart were both in Pisces, which is also a very emotional, very emotionally rich sign. Hmm. So that's very beautiful. And that now the thing though that I love about your wedding day is the moon was opposite Venus. Any combination of the moon and Venus is romance, right? It's like, oh, it's like what the poets wrote about is that feeling when the moon and Venus get together in any way. And so to have them smiling on each other on the wedding day from across the sky, your wedding must have been beautiful, by the way, because Venus was in Taurus, which is very like classy and luxurious and expensive, right? So, <laughs> so why wasn't I there, right? Um, I didn't know so you the yet. the food but... must have been awesome, right? The food, yes. It was beautiful. It was like in a kind of old like downtown club, like one of those private clubs that like I can never get back into anymore. And I really wanted it to be classic and simple. So we didn't like do a lot of, we didn't do a lot of florals. We just had light. Interestingly, I was like, I need the uplighting. I need it to look classy and clean. And I want people to have fun. That was my whole goal. I was like, I don't care anything about the ceremony or whatever. I just want it to be a good time that people remember. Well, and in terms of why it's led to 15 years of marital bliss, right? It's, it's Venus and the moon is romance and the moon is in a fixed sign and Venus is in a fixed sign, which makes people stick around. It makes people stay committed. It makes people stay in love. It's really gorgeous. And Hmm. the planet that causes trouble and makes people unhappy is Saturn. And Saturn is out of the way. It's not causing any trouble. It's not aspecting the moon or the sun. It's 
not in the rising sign. It's actually in the 11th house, which is actually a good place for it. So it's like you guys called an astrologer, right? It's like you had somebody do this for you. And yeah, I will say there's a lot of uh, 10th house energy connected to the 7th house. And I know you guys both have big careers. The 10th house is career. The 7th house is the partnership. So I don't know if you help each other with your work or you cheerlead each other, but that would mean that actually. Uh, but it would also mean, you know, work is a major theme in the relationship, obviously. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine it's not. Um, and then the only other thing is it does say there's a connection between the 12th house and the 7th house. And that can mean like you don't get as much time together as you would like. That can mean you have a lot of separate things that you're doing and separate endeavors, activities. And so... You know, you want to just make sure you communicate enough about that and that you're getting enough of each other's prioritization of allocation of resources, right? Like, do you spend enough time? Do you, I mean, I know you have little kids and young kids, so mm-hmm. it's harder. I will say what's great about the kid thing is uh, the ruler of the house of children is in the house of hopes and dreams come true. So I don't know anything about your fertility journey or your, you know, how it all went, but it probably all worked out and went pretty well. And your kids are adorable. And to have the ruler of the house of children in the 11th house is absolutely beautiful for having kids. So you guys did Aww. great. We did great. And we didn't even know any of this back this then. This chart but... is like ding, 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 ding. Yeah. But my my listeners are in a more fortunate position even because I didn't even know any of that. And that just happened to work out for me. But they can actually map this out for themselves using tools that that you've developed and also that that the ancients have developed but that you like created technology so that it's accessible for anyone listening right now i started astrology 31 years ago and when i first studied nobody had like a little home computer i mean i certainly didn't and i had to do all this by hand i mean that's i mean like that's how long it's been. And uh, and it was so much harder and it took so long and there was so much ma- room for error. And then I got a home computer and I started, you know, I got astrology software and then the internet happened. And it's just so incredible to be able to offer people these tools. It can be three in the morning after a date or after a fight and you can go look up your compatibility or your capacity or guy's capacity or are you in a blocked time, right? Are you like... J-Lo for seven and a half years, you know, when she was with A-Rod and her dancer and breaking up with Mark Anthony and, you know, and now she's not in a block time. And so there's her true love again. Right. And they got married. So I'm rooting for Ben and J-Lo, if you can't tell. (laughs) Yes. But when you're in a block time, it doesn't matter how great the love and it doesn't matter who you meet. It doesn't matter how much it makes sense on paper. It won't work. It'll like frap out at some point. And so, yeah, so there's there's ways now that people can find all this out themselves. <laughs> and through looking at this personal success calendar, I mean, I know everybody's going to be looking for the hearts, but it also kind of can tell you where to channel that energy, right? Because like some people come to me and it's like, it's not your season, but like, what is it? Your, it's not your season for love, but what is it your season for? And I love right. that People can see that on the personal success calendar. And it's not just like wasted time waiting for the right person. It's what do I need to develop right now? Well, that's it's, you know, the calendar isn't so much predictive. It won't, it won't say like, this is the year you get married. I wish, you know, that is too complicated. And really, you need an astrologer for that. And there's so many great people. And 
there's and and like I said, I'm a fan of both systems. So, but the calendar is a daily planner. It's like when should I go on my vacation so it goes great? When should I go on that interview? They're offering me like Monday and Friday, but Tuesday of next week. What's the better day, right? When should I go on that first date? And when should I? you know, put myself out there or when should I kind of like lay low and hang out at home? Cause it talks about health and money and communication and, uh, and love. Yeah. You mentioned the hearts it's in symbols and it uses somebody's whole chart, not just like their sun sign. And this is the symbol everybody loves the most is the heart because the heart symbol indicates, are you under the smiling blessing of Venus? Like you were on your wedding day, right? Uh, cause Venus makes things fun and creates romance and, and love and, and satiates our desires. Right. And, uh, so sometimes the counter shows double heart days and those are especially, especially lucky and auspicious. So, so yes, yeah, so it's a daily planning tool where every day you have up to nine symbols that help you plan your life. And, uh, and I love that you use it and you've appreciated it. Thank you so much for joining me, Carol. Be sure to follow her on Instagram at Carol, C-A-R-O-L, Allen, A-L-L-E-N, astrologer. That's at Carol Allen, astrologer. And for a limited time, you can get this personal success calendar tailored specifically for you and your birth chart at a huge discount. And she's just doing this for Dates and Mates listeners because I love Carol. She loves me. She loves my listeners and she loves helping people chart out their love life. But here's the deal. You have to go to my special link to get the special Demona Hoffman deal. All right. Here it is. DemonaHoffman.com slash my calendar. The link will also be in the show notes, but this is the best way for you to go in, get the best deal on the calendar, plug in your birth date, plug in your birth location, plug in your birth time, get your little chart, get your little dinosaurs and your hearts and your stars and all your icons organized so you know which dates this year are going to be best for you for love. DemonaHoffman.com slash my calendar. In a moment, I'll be back to answer the following listener question. My match has not made the move despite our chemistry and connection. Should I say something? Let's see. Stick around. It's the beginning of the year, so I know you have questions, and you can always ask dear Demona what to do in your love dilemma via DM, voicemail, and email. I'll give you all the info on how to submit your question in just a moment. But for now, let's tackle our question of the week. Dear Demona. Demona, help me. This one came to us in an email message from C. C says, I'm 62 and he's 71. Three months together and lots of kissing, chemistry, and common interests. Yet he has made no moves towards intimacy. Should I say something, try to seduce, or just wait it out? So I often say on the show that age, it's just a number, right? And it's not always, uh, and most of the advice that I give you on this show will work whether you're 22 or 62. But we do have to take into consideration that things change a little bit as you get older. Timelines change bodies change, and Yabu is 71 years old. And something that does happen as men get older is a lot of times their testosterone levels drop. And when that happens, the drive for sex decreases 
even though it sounds like, in your case, the drive for intimacy is up. So you said there's there's been no move towards intimacy. I'm going to tweak that a little bit because it sounds like there has been a lot of kissing. So to me, that is intimacy. And you say there's chemistry. So there's probably a lot of physical connection. So really what you're saying is that he's made no moves to have sex, even though there are different kinds of sex and there are different kinds of intimacy. So it sounds like, see, you want to get it in and you should have what you want. But if it is taking him this long and you are already physically intimate, I am curious if something else might be going on. So is there any kind of ED that he might be dealing with? Or is it that he just has a lower drive for sex? And you won't really know until you cross that threshold. So again, gender roles are so 2022. (laughs) In 2023, we're having that main character energy. We're taking control of our dating and relationship destiny. You've been together three months. It should be time for you if you, as a consenting adult, are ready to have sex. I think you could initiate. I don't know that you even need to seduce because it sounds like the energy is right there. And saying something and assuming something is wrong might put him on the defense. So if you just made a bold move or just set the stage for the day that you envision it happening and then stay open to communication that doesn't emasculate him, doesn't judge how you got to this point, and is just open to things unfolding for both of you, how they are meant to be from this point forward, you're going to be just fine. But we get all caught up into shoulds of this person should make the first move or this is this is when we should be having sex. And all of these, they're just stories. Back to what I was saying at the top of the show. These are stories that we tell ourselves and they're not necessarily true. We don't have all the information. We don't have all the facts. But what you're telling me here, see, is that this guy's into you. You're into him. And it sounds like it's time to take things to the next level. And there you have it, episode 445 of Dates and Mates. I told you I would let you know how to send me your question for a future episode. The DMs are open at Damona Hoffman on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can even send me a voice memo on Instagram and you could hear your voice on a future episode. Also, you can leave me a voicemail or send me a text at 424-246-6255 or go to DamonaHoffman.com and click the contact tab and you can submit a question like C did that way. And while you're at DamonaHoffman.com, do yourself a favor, check out the Dating Accelerator program. All my new success stories are posted. You can watch videos from prior clients. You can see pictures, engagement stories, so much more. You can see how the program can work for you to date with intention in 2023. We'll be back next Tuesday with one of the Love Advice greats, the host of the Savage Lovecast, Dan Savage. He will be here to talk about writing the rules of your own relationship, and he'll be answering your questions about love with me. Until then, I wish you happy dating.